When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Real Adventures. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures from wherever you are listening right around the country. Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you this morning to talk all things fishing, boating and the great outdoors. Redmond, good morning to you. Good morning, Patrick. Uh, the, old, uh, the old age is getting you. You all right? <laughs> Soft tissue. Soft tissue, soft man. Soft heart, yeah. Hey, hey, speaking of the ticker. I'm prioritising. I've made a conscious decision Mm -hmm. with uh, the barrel tuners going so well. At some point, you have to decide that, you know, prioritising our show, Real Adventures, um, that you've got to get your hands dirty. And I had to sacrifice a game. had to sacrifice Friday night at the G against the Tigs because there are barrels to be caught. So what day are we going? What are you doing tomorrow? Do you know what the worst part about it is? You're actually busier in rehab than yeah, what no. you are doing. So you're just dreaming right now. <laughs> you're spot on. I actually had a, I had a person ask me during the week. Oh, so quite, a couple of days off. Yeah, quiet week then. No. It's worse. And what was worse, I spent Monday in uh, emergency with my little my, Winnie. little, my little Winnie. Croup. Croup's no good for young, yeah. young kids, is One it? of my brothers, actually, I do remember him. The old cough, no good. Yeah, respiratory, no good. isn't it? It's all respiratory. All respiratory. Yep. Hey, uh, Tasmanians. This will be good. Well, they're potentially setting a new safety benchmark, mm-hmm. um, and you'll have a say in whether you know when well, it comes we, to selling boats. We spoke around, about this. We did. Around, I asked you, should we have to have roadworthies on boats? Yes. So, Tassie are talking around uh, when it comes to buying, selling, or registering used boats. They'll soon need soon need. Uh, to s- tell the state's maritime watchdog if the vessel is in seaworthy state or not. Now, this comes off the back um, of an inquest into unexplained deaths of four people who headed out in a boat that recently bought secondhand, uh, and the coroner uh, called on the buyers to have the boats professionally inspected to ensure they were seaworthy. Now, we often talk around if you are going to purchase a secondhand boat, then the number one port of call, and your brother is this a marine canic, is seeing a marine canic and having the engine checked out because that's the most important part of a boat. Well, you just recently did it with a friend of yours. He, uh, I think he owns the cafe or the takeaway shop in Geelong where he, what is it, the ca- catering shop? You sent him down to my brother to get the engine checked? Yes, Cam from Steam Pocket. Steam Pocket. Yeah, local does catering a, does Geelong. Does a nice lasagna. Well, he, he does. So he, Cam was buying a... Uh, Whitley 580. Yep. Uh, and, and it's got a Merc Cruiser. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see it. Yeah, Merc Cruiser. So um, he asked me around, yep. you know, what do you think? And I said, look, really solid reputation of boat. You know, this is their sort of history in, in terms of the marine industry. But you have to have it checked out by an expert. And I put him on to, to Cam, your brother. Because these things, especially inboards, they can cost you a fortune. As you know. Yeah, as I very well know, manifolds, all these things, if you don't get them looked at. And yeah. because of the servicing that, that inboards need, 
like all all motors need um, you know decent servicing, but my experience with outboards to inboards. A lot of shit goes wrong with inboards. Yes, they do. And they do. And even when I worked on the charter boats back in the day, we had inboard, big inboard diesels. Mate, stuff Something goes was wrong always with them. leaking. Like, yeah. whatever it was, it was just like, well, oh, where goes more duct tape? And it's like, how much was that? A thousand? What are yeah, that? that's a thousand. Up. What are that? Well, you didn't do anything. Do you? Yeah, but it's just a thousand. That's just what it costs. Do you know how much my brother charged Cam by any chance to do that inspection? Do you know by any chance? I don't. No. So, yeah. Well, what would you pay? Oh, it's what probably. Would you, what would you? What's a dollar value? Do you think it's not really a dollar value to get it checked? Like, I you would just say pay it. you just got to pay three to five hundred bucks, yep. and it will be the best three to five hundred bucks. Yep. That you'll ever spend, and then now, it obviously depends on how, how on how in depth you go in, whether you want water testing. Now, Cam went a bit further. Um, both cams that they wanted on, on water testing yeah, as well. Right. Because, yeah, they did, actually, yeah. Because it was getting into boating for the very first time, and your brother was wonderful because it was like, these are the things you've got to watch out for. This is how to launch, yeah. all those sort of things um, that a new boat owner should be doing if you're getting into it. But I think Tassie's on the on the money here. Um, so what they're proposing is that boats sort of 15 years or older asking them expect uh, inspect their hull, uh, structural damage, all those sorts of things. So it's a bit of an interesting one. I, I suspect, and it's very difficult for police, that's the challenge, but I think it's something that would make sense nationally. Oh, I couldn't agree anymore. And like, like we said at the start of this, we both spoke about this, I reckon it was probably six months ago, four months ago, we spoke about buying these old boats now, Like especially you, especially when you're purchasing like a an older boat. So say, for example, a 19R. Yep, so a, they, so a Haynes... Hunter or a Haynes, yep. depending on when. Well, the um, reason that I were... the reason that I state that model boat V nineteen R is because I believe it's probably the most rebuilt boat ever on the market. One of the most inc- like they're like an old Holden or an old yeah, Ford 100%. Falcon. Like the Australians just love yep. them. They just love them, and the but the thing is, when people often purchase these boats, they don't just buy them to use though. So they buy them to redo. Yeah, so correct. they're redoing stringers, they're redoing transoms. So yep. it's okay, and they're to putting buy on. Three hundred horsepower oh, engines, big engines, up, huge, yeah, literally some big engines. So, so, what, so let's go. Can I take you one? On sorry to cut you off, but to bring you back to you, you spoke about yep. nineteen hours fiberglass. What are the things that you're looking for when inspecting a, a used boat around the important parts? Because quite clearly, transoms your number one. Yeah, it's it's soft spots is the best word to explain it. So soft spots are a very good sign of a glass boat that the the timbers starting to rot yep. so often the floor of the boat even just where you work the deck quite often you you can not quite often if the boat's starting to have rot if you walk around on the boat push with your feet and start to feel for soft spots now if i was to buy a secondhand boat that i wanted to use not the example i gave before about rebuilding the stringers etc if yep. i wanted to buy a boat that wanted to be reused i probably would get a marine mechanic to look at the engine but I wouldn't get a, probably a marine mechanic as such to look at the hull. I'd probably get a fiberglasser. Yeah. So yeah. I'd go along those lines. Like Aquatech in Geelong where I am, i got no affiliation, never used in my life, never spoke to the bloke. But someone like his business that has experience to to tap, I guess, tap away at the boat and he'll be able to feel any structural. And if it's worth inspecting with a camera or whatnot into transoms, then it's probably it's probably worth paying the money to do so because if you're spending say fifty grand, like every bit, mate, yeah, a lot of money like to be spending. So probably the simplest way then yep. you go to your marine dealer. They're going to have connections because they they have people yeah. bring them fiberglass boats with 
with issues or hundred percent or or whatever all the time, and they'll have a connection around having someone to actually look at someone and like someone like Melbourne Marine Centre, Geelong Marine World, all the likes, depending what side of the country you're on. Get your local dealership to check it out, and I don't know, like. Are they going to try and push to sell the boat? And they're going to, yeah, they are. They naturally will. Because, but I just say, look, can I get a glass person to look at it? And they mm. go, and they'll get it. They have to get an inspection report. So, so Chris Vasileski just sold. Well, he's looking at selling his boat, Masai, which is his smaller charter boat, not yes. his big one. So he's what's selling, that? That's around tw- nine meters, eight point yeah. five nine meters. Yep, good old boat, charter boat. He used it for a long time until he built the big boat. So Masai, he's selling, and he has to now get an inspection for survey inspection. Yes. And then Gibbsy, Daniel Gibbs from Geelong Marine World, is obviously my best mate. He went down and had to write a inspection report on the engines. So this is to sell the boat. But then they had to have the survey people come in and inspect. So just getting the right qualified people, whether you're selling a charter boat or a wreck boat. But that's a lot more... There's a lot more loopholes to go through when you're going. But still, the guy that was buying the boat did the right thing. He yeah. went to John Marine World and said, "What do I need?" And this, yep. and they got the inspections organised through them. So they got the hull done, etc. That so, leads us. That does lead us to aluminium boats because electrolysis and fractured welds are clearly a really important thing yeah. to, to look for um, when you're purchasing an aluminium boat because aluminium boats are wonderful, but they are. It's not like they are bulletproof. Not, no boat is. They will have less issues around. Uh, I suppose not necessarily structural, but if you, you're not dealing with timber like you are with fiberglass boats, I I'm a bit. I've, there's some bloody fantastic aluminium boats out there. There really are. But I've in the back of my head, like welds scare me. They always do. Like welds can let go. Like they just can. Yep. And the way that not so much now. Like I don't drive boats like I used to. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've got I'm a bit older, Patrick. No heart. No, I mean heart's back. It's it's on back. But it's uh, <laughs> it's. It just worries me, like the, how hard you hit in a boat yeah. onto these waves in a gla- in an aluminium boat that often don't push th- through water. They more they land rather than push. So like your big boat just pushes through beautifully. My little meter, little six meter pushes through. I hit. Don't get me wrong. But aluminium, the aluminium doesn't have the same weight behind it, does it? No, it doesn't have the weight, and yeah. so it has there. But so you've got it compensates either way. But when you do hit, you know you hit and you feel the boat shatter. Hence why I like glass boats in the ocean. It's just what I like. It's, it's Some people prefer the aluminium. Some people prefer the glass. I'm glass. I like the weight. I like the being able to get through a bit more comfortable. But then the aluminium, I'm also trying to tow your boat, and I've got to buy a ram to tow that boat. 100%. So the aluminium, that's where you get away with things like that. But for me, in the ocean, definitely welds scare me, hence why I have the uh, glass boat. The other funny thing with a lot of the aluminium boat manufacturers, when you... Um, you'll see most of them will be carpeted, especially when we talk about runabouts and those, um, you know, y- your major players in the aluminium boat market, not exclu- uh, excluding Stabycraft because they mostly, or certainly all their, their new boats, they're all uh, welded checker plate. But the flooring that these major manufacturers put in, it's not marine ply, it's just regular mm. ply. And we've had plenty of um, dealers on and, and they've confirmed that, that it's just regular the, regular ply so if there's enough water that sits in there long enough they're going to develop um you know soft spots and it is easy to replace a timber floor but it is a bit of a muckering as well yeah i i think they should just have the checker plate in all of them look it's you're already there yeah. you just do it like what's an, it's but it's cost hard. saving clearly isn't it it is cost saving but how like realistically like it should be just done like it's not that much more work is it like to 
Yeah. By the time they, if they, by the time they just made like it got a mold for it, it'd just be they're nearly all aluminium aluminium boats would be nearly on the production side of things. They're not custom glass. They're they're more production boats. Hundred percent. So, it's cookie cutter. Exactly. Literally, and just pieced together, and they literally weld, 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 weld. Where glass boats, they've actually got a hand layer glass on top of each other. Go back, re glass. So it's a lot different. A uh, lot, lot different. And a process I guess, behind process it, yeah. into the glass and it is aluminium. But you know what blows my mind away is the price of the aluminium boats. And how, <laughs> oh, like, I know Stavycraft <laughs> at the moment has just started and will be done in a matter of weeks. So it's just started and they've got the boat done in a matter of weeks. Yeah. Like, like it's it's and nothing against them. Good on them. It's fantastic they can get them done that quick to the quality they do. Speaking but, of Stabycraft, next week on the show, uh, Gwaine Blake, your uh, yep. co-host in Salt Guide, is going to join us. He's going to chat through his, his 2250 Ultra Cab, beautiful boat, and talk a bit about uh, Salt Guide and, and what you guys are doing at the moment. So that's all on next week's show. But you're right, the, the cost in these things... and. and we might have to pin Gwaine on, on, on what he's um, tricked his up, but that's not getting much change out of a couple hundred grand, are that, That's what I mean, the price that's going into them. And they're obviously selling them. Yeah. Because oh, they're, they're selling them. So 100%. I, I don't know who's got what they're selling to be able to buy these things, but it's <laughs> uh, they are they're, they're, <laughs> the reputation on them is amazing. Yeah. And, but like I, the, compared to glass, though, they're the same price, or if not stabia more, but the amount of labour that goes actually into a glass boat that it does... To compensate the hours of labor pro, labor cost, yeah, it just blows more. your mind a little bit. Like, yeah, it's significantly significantly more, especially compared to, uh, say, the US. A lot more labor intensive in Australia compared to the technology that goes into uh, the construction in the US and the the sheer number of um, the componentry and that sort of things. Um, before we get to the first break, uh, the barrel talk that you've got. Uh, coming up yep. now the barrels are going absolutely nuts at the moment and if you are looking uh, to go fishing for them there probably hasn't been a better time in in our living memory to go down and chase barrel bluefin tuna in victoria south australia fishing incredibly well for them but you've got a talk coming up at melbourne marine center can you just reel off a few details because i know there's not too many spots left but there are a few spots uh that we have left open yep. for our real adventures audience so we've capped it at 40 people pat yep. so 40 people max and we have reserved i said to you a couple of weeks ago before you posted it, i said we need to keep a uh, reserve for uh for our real adventures audience so there are um a few spots available so what it is barrel talk night it's going to be not like a normal talk where you go with a PowerPoint presentation and you run through things, and it's a lot. Of, it's very informative our normal talks. But, but you're is, bringing your boat yeah, into the shop. This is going to be a proper hands-on, like yep. a like a workshop as such. So I'm going there. We've got three stations. We're going to have a rigging station. We're going to have a. PowerPoint so you're going to go through. You're going to tie the actual. Everything's skirts. going to be in front of people. We're going to do everything from. They're not start going to be to pre-rigged. Finish. You're going to rig them in front of them. In front of them, and if you want, if you're everyone wants to bring something in themselves yep. rather than I can't do everyone's. So we're yep. be there for five days, but basically I'm more happy to help you guys out do it but it's going to start from scratch so it's going to be from like for instance now how i why i'm picking the next next week why i'm picking those days so it's starting from picking your days to having no boats there to having the fish nearly to yourself like i do get it a lot right through to the accommodation uh why the fish are in that area but then the it's one generating that, your own luck it's literally like, creating you're not things, just, yeah you're creating, not just picking time you, there's there's a science that goes yep, behind 100 percent and then it's just even on the day, Pat, like watching certain birds, like it's covering all that right through to obviously, like you said before, all the rigging and it's going to come down to live bait, sounders. And then 
So rigging beyond just obviously the skirts that go oh. to your um, go to your rod and reel. You're talking about your whole boat, how you're setting it up. You know what rod is going out, what certain distance, where you're placing it, how you're setting up your outriggers, if you're using outriggers or if you're just using rigger arms, all that. Literally everything. And my boat's going to be there, so I'm going to be walking. It's going to be a little bit of a mess. I'm going to be walking from the rigging station to the boat. If anyone's got questions, I'm standing in the boat. I've got a couple of my uh, couple of my dummies walking around. I've got Kano going to be help pulling drags out. We're going to we're gonna literally be doing everything. It's a little bit pricey, I'll be honest. It's $375, but the reason we've done that is we've purchased, and honestly, through Kane, through Reef Thief, we got a slight discount, but we paid. Uh, we have bought four lures for every person that comes, and they've. I think they retail about seventy bucks each. Yep. So I think, uh, give or take, I think it's about two hundred sixty to three hundred dollars worth of lures, and it's three seventy five. So I think, and we're putting on pizzas yep. as well as a couple of beers too. So they got beers. So it's it's going to cost you outside the lures maybe a hundred bucks a ticket. You know what will cost you more. Going down to Portland and not knowing, what not having doing. an idea. This is going to be going out and spending two days. Yep. Let alone like the uh, the good value and um, you know getting the time off from your wife or your partner, but coming home with absolutely bugger all. Exactly, and we're going to hopefully save that for you so you can go down and catch fish. Like I said, it's not going to be a normal talk where it goes for an hour and a half. This is going to be probably three to four hours, four and a half hours even. Yep. It's proper in depth. As much as sounders I as well, everything sounder. Yeah, yep. everything sound. I've got. I went down to Port Mac not long ago, and I've got all my screenshots. I've got them from over the years as well. I've got all different scenarios to play out. I've film. I've literally stood on the boat with birds basking into the water, and not even caught, and just film birds what they're doing, so I can explain to you the difference. So you're going to give away some fish. GPS marks as well down there. Um, no, you have problem to. with I'm, tuna. Gonna... They got tails though. No, nah. they swim. You have to give away. It's GPS in the report marks. every week anyway, so they're lucky they get that anyway. But no, this is going to be a once in a once in a lifetime sort of opportunity. I think for some people to get the depth that I have from my experience for the last long time chasing these things. So Melbourne Marine Centre, twentieth of May, starting about May. midday, twelve o'clock, twelve thirty. We'll kick off. Spots are limited. Forty people max because I want to be able to have hands on. Because people will ask questions in a group of forty. And how do you book your ticket? Go to try booking. So it's on our so follow our links is the best way to do it through our social media pages. Yep. Or go to try booking and search up uh, Barrel Talk with with Aaron Habgood, and it will pretty much come up straight away. You're listening to Real Adventures. We've got a huge show coming your way this morning. Plenty more on the other side of the break. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures. Huge show this morning, Redmond. It Plenty, is. Plenty. It always is. Plenty happening. Hey, uh, Pure Watercraft have unveiled their grand designs of its GM-powered pontoon boat. This is based in the US. Pure Watercraft? Pure Watercraft. Okay. Uh, so it's electric car technology, and they are, well, not remanufacturing it, but it's General Motors, uh, putting it towards pontoon technology. Pontoon market in Australia is, is decent enough. It's certainly growing. Certainly, if you go to Newsom, we've spent plenty of time up there. There was actually uh, one in the Bowen River the other day. Was there? It must have been towed down. I saw one. Uh, I saw one on socials doing ninety-seven miles an hour. I think it had three, four hundred horsepower. Tell you what, you wouldn't want a two-knot chop because those things don't handle the chop real well. Let's be honest. <laughs> no, they don't. Uh, Ford Ranger being built in China. Ford have confirmed. Um, Good thing or bad thing. Well, I think it's a good thing. I think it shows the popularity of the ute. Yep. We're not going to see that uh, that ute here. Most, or pretty much all our ranges come from Thailand, uh, like most dual cab utes. 
Um, there's also some produced in South Africa and Vietnam for, for some markets. Um, and the US, they still get the old range that's made in Michigan. Um, but I think it's a good thing. It shows the popularity of the ute and just how well it's going. Uh, the other one, which I found quite interesting during the week, the new Land Rover Defender V8 clocks in at $221,000. It, mm. it looks incredible, but by God, it is expensive. That's a towing capacity. Three tons. <laughs> Only three tons. Yeah. It goes hot. faster. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sang a little bit more car, car news before we get onto or into the whip around. Uh, the Sangyong Maso, which hasn't always been the most beautiful of vehicles, have revealed some uh, images around their 2023 launch. And it's probably, we, we spoke about this off air, it's probably the best looking Sangyong Maso ute that we've seen in our time. Um, not sure it, about the color of that specific one, but a nice blue would be nice. Well, the, 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 what their uh, their advertised image is like a desert sort of Wrangler option, but it looks pretty impressive. Like I've I've certainly seen um, worse Utes rolling around. And uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to chat uh, around our flying gaff and a Rivian owner, which has copped one of the most outrageous uh, quotes for one of the slightest. Uh, fender issues and I know you had an issue with your Ram last week I don't want to bring up the war mm. but you may have had a little Lara Bingle I'm suing the cats <laughs> ran into a concrete bollard so yeah. picture that same uh, you know slight scratch and this Rivian owner has copped a cost that is just unfathomable so thanks, that's coming thanks for telling me this that's coming up <laughs> in the flying gaff but let's get to the whip around where we find out what's biting in your part of australia and we kick things off with new south wales redmond yeah the royal national park out of sydney which i'm hoping isn't a marine park because there's a great report out of there but <laughs> uh kingfish fishing extremely well spearfish owes fish to a meter they're spearing them and also a few guys catching them on the live baits and jigging at the same time so plenty happening at the National Park. I just hope it's not marine. <laughs> Botany Bay fishing overnight. The brim have been super active uh, with a few trevallies being caught as well. Uh, and also a, a heap of undersized jewfish. Yep. Uh, can we talk around the, the billfish along the east coast? What are you saying? Slowed up a little bit. The yellowfin as well. I the, didn't actually see many reports during the week on the yellowfin. Because we reported a couple of weeks yeah. ago that, oh, hang on, this is this is yep. starting to kick along. There's been a little bit less though, obviously. Yeah, I definitely didn't see any during the week. Yep. Uh, we probably will. And there might have been, I might have missed a report. So obviously if I didn't see it, there wasn't a lot of fish. Yep. Uh, marlin, there was a fair few marlin caught though. But it's not, is it quite enough or was it just the weather? You don't know. You need yeah, to keep an correct. eye on that too because I had some ordinary, the swell was quite big as well. So... Uh, copped a lot of rain up in the southeast coast of Certainly New South been. Wales. Yeah. Uh, Queensland, offshore Noosa, there's been plenty of uh, large schools of long-tailed tuna and mac tuna uh, busting the surface. Small metal lures and casting them and, and working it through has been the most successful. Uh, if that's not working, is there anything else that you can go well, to? Well, if they're staying up and they're not falling on you, you can then... Run lures and trawl through them. Small yep. wided skirts. You know those salmon skirts we use? The Oki skirts? Just yeah, yeah. yeah yep. Cheap. They'll cost you two bucks and then get a little bit of tinsel in them with a O'Shaughnessy hook. Are you sort They'll of... work a treat too. Are you looping around them rather than driving the boat I smack would be through running, the school? I'd be running the school, other skirts 40 metres back 
and I'd be yeah, doing a, a big loop around them so you don't run over the middle of them. Because they yep. do, you know what Matt Tuner are like, they, they, they can spook. spook very, very quickly. Uh, now, this is correct. The next one. You can read that word there. Jump in pin bar. Jump in pin bar. It's actually a place, Patrick. I had to Google it, but jump in pin bar, offshore. There's been so many mackerel there, literally as far as the eye can see, busting up. They are everywhere, and they're just randomly jumping out of the water hitting bait schools, and they are catching them one after the other. They're eating everything. Does that provide a, an issue, though, with... Yeah, it does, uh, with sharks. Yes. So Bruce is it. The men in grey suits. Trying to land them is very hard because the sharks are in plague proportions. But so so what, do you do, what do you do in that case Gosh. where you're, you're getting great fish, but yep. they're getting smashed by sharks? Heavy, is it on... Is it on tackle. the gear or is it on the driver of the boat? Heavy tackle. You're just going to have to up everything. Yep. Everything you'd normally use for fun, double it. Yeah, okay. Uh, if you want to land the fish. Yes. Yep. If you want to feed the sharks, have some fun and you might get lucky landing a few, but they are, you know what the sharks are like up Queensland way. Like, yeah, they're freaking. I'm not sure exactly where Jumping Pin Bar is, but I kind of want to go there. It sounds cool. But they, uh, they, it, yeah, they're, they're literally saying that nearly every fish they're hooking is shark because of the. Um, just because once you get those mackerel in the area, the sharks follow them. You've almost so, moved, yeah. yeah. Speaking of sharks, let's head over to the west, Western <laughs> Australia. There's been loads of big salmon, four to five kilo uh, off Eagle Beach at the moment. Metal lures uh, in those in those gutters, so you identify those gutters by obviously the darker patches of blue water. That's the key. Uh, fishing off the rocks at Denmark as well, Remen. There's been some massive whiting, a 55 centimetres caught, which is forearm sort of thing, not your forearm, my forearm. Hey. <laughs> they are 55 centimetre fish with a big whiting. I'm very happy with that. I've never caught one that big. But fishing at night has been the most productive with squid for bait. So night fishing is fantastic for whiting in the shallow water. They move in to feed. Yep. So rock fishing, not in Denmark overseas, Patrick. Denmark off WA there. They uh, they it's, it's seriously fishing well, and people aren't getting like two, three. They're getting tens, twelves of fish. So really good King George whiting fishing at the minute. Uh, squid has been the popular bait as well. Yep. Uh, South Australia's been interesting because there's been uh, decent reports of whiting in terms of numbers I was reading the during uh, – sorry, in terms of size, but the numbers haven't been great in – South Australia, which is interesting because we generally recognise it as the whiting capital of Australia. I've seen one of the charter boats had like a lot of fish. I don't know how, but like 55, 60 centimetres. Yeah. Like they're big fish. Yep. So Shane, our good mate, Shane and Brett Mensforth reporting around big fish, but just not huge numbers of it. Uh, Port Mac. Yeah. Port Mac. <laughs> So it's a great place, Patrick. I love Port Mac. I actually love it. It's nearly taken over Eden, I reckon. I don't. It's ugly, but I love it. That's how much I like it. In terms of uh, the aesthetics of it? Yeah, it's very old. It needs to sort of be knocked down, rebuilt, established. Oh. A bit like Queenscliff. But back to what I was saying, the barrels are the on fishing. fire. The yes. barrels are on fire. Yes. So short run out there, you're only moved, not even 10Ks to the fish. Like yep. really 6 to 10Ks, 5 to 10Ks, depending on where they want to be for the day. And there's just so many fish there. Are but, you preferring to go there than you are as a Victorian? I just, I just to travel, you know, yeah. prefer to travel there than travel to Portland. I just am at them. I just really enjoy the, everything about Port McDonald. I just really do. I like the people there. I love the pub there. There's no one there like for a meal. Everyone's friendly. You just feel welcome there, and the fishing just makes it even better. Yeah. The short run where Portland is. A, I really like going to Portland too. I like going anywhere to be honest with you when the fishing's good. But Portland, you've got to run out to the rock and then across to where the fish are. So it's double three times the run. Up and to thirty k is the Bridgewater, and obviously it's it's far longer to travel by boat than it is to travel by car. 100%. An extra thirty k's in the car is nothing compared to an extra thirty k's in the boat. The, the run from basically Portland to Port Mac is horrible in the car regarding 
the wildlife. So you've got yeah, to be okay. extreme. It's it's, a good, it's when I think s- about that. It's extremely bad. Yeah. Like you will see not on low on light, a bat, obviously. A, even during the day, like it's just emus everywhere. There's deer. There's kangaroos everywhere. Like I'm not yeah. just saying this as in. You hear, okay, I drive right around the country a lot. Eden, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the kangaroo, you see a kangaroo. This, you will literally see a hundred roos. It is literally that scary. Like, yeah. we touch wood, we've never hit one, but nearly every second car that comes up does. And like, when you've got two and a half ton behind you oh, in boat. Just, I actually probably should take your boat this week for a fish down there because it needs a run, but it's, uh, it's, it's just not a nice place to drive through. So if you're going to yeah. try and time it, I would avoid the early morning, late afternoon sort of travel. Try and get it through in the day or even uh, I'd prefer after dark. It's better than that low light period because they come out to the side of the road. Yes. They just do. And uh, another tip. Actually, I'm going to save it for Red's tip. Here's a good one. All right. Uh, There's also been a really good run of trout right now at Mount Lofty. Small, hard body lures working well. And the other one are the Celters heading across the Apple Isle, Tasmania. There's been some huge gumbos being caught off Wynyard right now. Uh, the reef fish and the salmon uh, for bait have been the most successful for those big gumbos. 45 metres of water on or off the reef, Redmond? Get on top of it, Patrick. On top. Yeah, love the reef fishing. Gumbos on top of it. Not, not on the edge of it, not on the sand, on top of it. You uh, get a few snags, but I, you'll I, get a few gummies. I know you love your trout fishing. Uh, how the browns fishing? Yeah, south-esque. So the south-esque browns are on fire. Uh, thumpers to 75 centimetres. They're big trout. Uh, but the thing is, I saw on social media a guy that actually posted a really good report from there. He got hammered saying you can't fish these waters due to closed waters. But the place doesn't shut till actually the 28th of this May. Doesn't that piss you off when people are like, yeah, you can't. Well, have you actually, like, have you actually uh, looked at when they are closed? It's like I post a bag limit photo of Whiting and then I get a bunch of people from South Australia saying, you're over your bag. You're only allowed 10. Well, no, I'm not. I'm in Victoria. I'm allowed 20. Like, how do people have the time to comment? So I felt sorry for this gentleman, but he got some beautiful trout, more importantly. Good on him. And he did really well. And the place doesn't shut down to the 28th of this month, and that's a guarantee because I've made sure I Googled it. So a good time to go fish uh, right now. It is, yes. Victoria, the weather uh, has made things a bit difficult at time, Redmond, but what have you been focusing on and what's Gwaine's report as well uh, for Western Port? Because I know uh, he's been doing quite well with his salt guide reports. So we're going to start from the west first to be a bit rude to you, Patrick, and change your schedule. We're going to go uh, to Portland first. Yep. Barrel bluefin are back there. School tuna mixed in. Chris Vasileski, I think he's probably hooked eight barrels during over the weekend. And some other species. This is where I'm getting to. Remember what I said last week? You what did, did I say? Don't be surprised if we see a dozen, well, multiple mahi-mahi being caught. Tell you what, we need Joel to just insert right now your commentary from last week. Well, I nailed it because you did. Was you did. Chris got two. I think Matt Hunter and a good one. size. Charters got, they're massive. Yeah. They're big bulls. Yes, they are like proper beautiful big looking fish. Dolphin fish. Yep. yep. They're drunk. They're not meant to be there. But water temps are hot. Uh, probably at 15, 16 degrees down there at the moment, Pat. Yep, so they yep, are well yep. and truly lost. But we do see this every handful of years. We do see a run of these fish. Yeah. They get lost and come to Portland. Uh, if you're going there to target them, I wouldn't be. I'd be following, trying to find a lock yeah, that's floating or a yeah. bit of seaweed, but yeah. it's definitely luck. So yeah. definitely luck. Yeah. Uh, but we did report that we will see a few caught. Uh, upper Hopkins River, coming from the west, obviously back towards the east, Pat. Hopkins River, we saw some EPs caught right up the top of it. Love that. So that's exciting. Barra of the south. They are. They Well, 
I've never caught Aggressive one. Aggressive as actually never caught as well. one. I need to catch one. Lee Rayner. We got him on the show last week because I knew he was heading down to the southwest. So yes, I'm going to report what he caught. So he fished the Crater Lakes out of the southwest Vic. He got some Chinooks, tiger trout. He reported more rainbows than anything else and a few browns as well. Beautiful big fish he got. But he reckons it's minimum two weeks up to six weeks away from really from really kicking yeah. off. Yep. He got fish, but it wasn't like red hot. So Had to work hard for him. He did. He fished, I think, three or four days. So he did like Thursday, Friday, and Sunday, I think, or something along the lines of that. So he had a he had a red hot crack. Uh, but hold off a little bit. He said to me, hold off. and Because we'll, I wanted to go down. He goes, let's just hold off a little bit, yeah. and we'll head down. Uh, Port Phillip Bay and Western Port? Yeah, just the whiting. The whiting with those tides this week were yep. terrific. There's gummies around too, both bays and offshore. Just your normal winter fishing back at home. Yep. School of tuna. Gone. gone. I haven't seen one for two, three weeks, and every I have not. So done. don't waste your time, really. Now. Maybe add a little Kilcunda side, Western Port side, but my side definitely done. So that's outside the Port Phillip Bay heads. I have not seen a fish. Yep. I have. I think they reported so the only, Cape Shank too, but the only well for the vast majority, the next run you'll see are of big bluefin barrels rather than well, school fish. The way the tuna fishery is it, oh, I'm not going to say too much because you don't know what could turn up. We could have a Northern Pacific turn up, Patrick. But it's, uh, yeah, I would say that next fish that are going to be caught out of the heads will be jumbo, so it'll be a big fish. Finishing uh, off in Gippy? Yeah, I just want to go down 90 mile beach, some massive bronzies being caught. So some big fish, like seven foot, nine foot sharks, are really good sharks being caught. But the good thing is, while you're shark fishing, there's plenty of really nice gumbos along the beach, oversized. So not massive ones, but they're all pretty much oversized. So legal to probably 10 kilo. And for those in the West, um, more emphasis, happy to catch sharks in uh, the south of just Victoria versus yep. the plagues and an annoyance that you provide when you fish in the West. And it's like, I don't want to hear about sharks. I hate them up there. <laughs> but they're also a great run of elephant fish off that beach too. So there's plenty happening right around the state. And uh, I'll be here all day reporting because the fishing is pretty much red hot everywhere. That is the whip around. You're listening to Real Adventures. The Real Adventures Review for TJM. Take the lead with TJM, proudly the first Australian-made and manufactured four-wheel drive equipment since 1973. It's now time for Red's Review for TJM and our special guest this week for Red's Review is none other than Ned McHenry from the Adelaide Crows. Good morning, Ned. Good morning, Red. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, mate. I love the show, so can to be on. No drama at all, mate. Thank you for joining us. And uh, you, speaking of joining us, you actually joined myself and Kano during the week. Down at a beautiful place, actually probably one of my favourite places to fish, Port McDonald. Well, I like to say it's in South Australia, but it's actually in Victoria. We'll call it that, Ned. You can't claim it being in Adelaide. It's too close to the border, I reckon. <laughs> you try and claim it as Victoria. Mate, what a day we had. You called me, and I reckon you, how many uh, hours notice did you give me? Stuff all. And you said, can you get down here and get on these barrels? And I said, I'll make it happen. I was so keen. So I'm bloody glad we did, mate. We, we had a great time. Well, I, uh, we're on our way to Port Mac, Kane and I, to fish on Wednesday, and I uh, we said, who can we? I had a third person pull out last minute due to work, which is no worries, and I thought I'd give Ned a call, see what he was doing, and he magically, what, you have the day off on it? You don't do much as footballers, you had the day off, didn't you? I had the day off, and um, yeah, it took a bit of a drive through the night to get down there and do it, but... I'd obviously seen how you were going on the barrels and I knew we'd be a really good chance, so I couldn't miss it. And uh, I'm bloody glad I got down there, mate, as I said. Well, we headed out in the morning and we're going to talk a bit about the day today and someone that's not 
having a dig at you at all, but someone that's getting into new into barrel fishing, someone that's learning the ropes. You managed to hook a couple last year. You went out with Tyson from Want to Fish Charters in Port Mac a couple of weeks back, and you managed to land a 70-odd kilo school fish, we'll call it. Wasn't quite a barrel, was it, Ned? But just someone that was new to barrel fishing as such, we're going to talk a bit about that, and I want you to sort of give your perspective of not just lure fishing and pulling lures around as such, something a little bit different, like we stuck to our guns, and uh, you give your perspective of someone that's jumping on a boat, rather than me just talking about it, like I always do every week in, week out, throw us your perspective of how sort of the day panned out. Yeah, absolutely, mate. As you said, like I've done a little bit of barrel fishing and I've hooked some barrels and stuff in my boat, but nowhere near to the level of what you know about those fish and the habits of those fish. And that's why I love today, oh, sorry, when we went out so much, was just because like the one percenters that you were kind of, that you had in the style of fishing meant that we probably outfished a lot of boats out there. Um, things like reading your sonar with different bait types. Um, understanding the exact time about when to pitch your bait was really important. And, yeah, you taught me a lot, mate. So so from the start of the day, there, there was plenty of learning. Now, speaking of learning, uh, we're going to get back to the barrel fishing, but I just remembered then, you, uh, you've you actually sold your six-metre North Bank. You are a North Bank ambassador, of course, and you sold your six-metre North Bank. I'm actually not happy about this because I've been waiting for a 650. You only sold it a few weeks back, if that – and you've managed to sneak yourself onto the waiting list for a 650. And I've been waiting for quite some time now. And you've managed to jag a 650 North Bank, which you've skipped the queue times a 1,000 because, unfortunately, someone had to pull out on a build. And you've managed to get their, their build time. <laughs> Stop you, mate. I've jumped ahead of you in the queue. You can enjoy the, uh, the clears. Um, and I'll be nice and comfy in my hard spot, mate, racing past you, so stuff you. That's all right. I'll still catch more fish than you. <laughs> I don't doubt that. So what's the, plan? That what's the plan? You've got a 650 North Bank. Why would you change from a 6 metre to a 650? Um, yeah, I love my 6 metre. There was nothing wrong with that boat. Like, I know you've got the same boat. I just It was just a, a normal kind of thing to look to go a little bit bigger, maybe get a bit more fuel range. Um, the fuel tank in my old boat was only 150 litres, so... I wanted to get up into kind of 250, 300 litres just for a little bit more range around South Australia, which means I can access kind of the southern side of KI and do a few more overnighters and stuff. And just a bigger boat, mate, like just the hard top and a little bit more length. Like, um, yeah, the 650 is obviously going to be a, a slightly bigger boat, but the 6 metre was more than capable too. So certainly nothing wrong with that boat, but I'm excited to, to get up into the big one too. I'd be excited if I was getting a 652, but I've been pushed down the queue. Times a hundred by the sounds of it. Uh, you you love fishing. Dumb it down. I do love fishing. I absolutely love fishing, and I'm still learning. The one thing I will say is, obviously, I'm speaking to you now, and I'm cautious of not. I don't want to piss in your pocket because your head's already big enough. No, Pat, 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 Pat's really, is, Pat's is bigger. <laughs> I really enjoyed our trip, mate, because obviously you've done so much fishing and. Yeah, some of the things I've learned were, were really important. And I actually am a, a Salt Club member, not that I even am um, in Victoria, so I don't really need it. But, yeah, just some of the things around reading your sonar today that you kind of taught me was, was really practical and different bits and pieces. So, yeah, I certainly encourage anyone wanting to take their next step to either, like, do a guide with you maybe or, or what they do, jump on and see the content. Because I thought I had a few things worked out, but I certainly had a lot more to learn. So it was a bloody good day for that. So if you were to pick something for someone that was heading down to, say, Port McDonald, they're not going on a charter, they've got their own boat, 
and you were heading out to say, what would you do? Like, how would you approach the day? How would I approach the day? Well, I think it's important to have a little bit of local knowledge. So if you can have some mates feet on the ground down there, I think that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Like, if you're coming and you haven't fished there for a while, it's good to know what the fish are doing. Yep. Like, would you agree with that? Yep, 100%. So I reckon that's the starting point. Get a bit of an idea and then get out on the water nice and early and give yourself options. So we kind of spoke about getting out and getting some live bait. We also had some dead bait prepared too and we had some lures. So we kind of had all bases covered um, just to know like whatever the fish wanted to do that day, we kind of had that had that option there. Um, but I think the live bait was the priority. And what I learned from you was the different densities on your sonar is to how to basically read which live bait and which different styles of bait are under the boat. Like, do you want to talk that through, what you kind of explained to me a bit, a bit today? Yeah, so we're just trying to identify different baits, which we, we struggled with a lot. Uh, so what I mean by that is we're trying to ideally catch yakkers. But when we were looking at the sonar, the the smaller baits, your white bait, your pilchards, and your red bait, are smaller baits generally. So they show up on your screen more as, I guess, scattered bait, scattered bait, where yakkers will tend to show up more a bit thicker, more denser, as well as then you've got the barracuda, which will show up as, as more of your, your lines, more of the kingfish sort of look because they're long and skinny. So as trying to identify bait, there was only probably a couple of times we thought that maybe there's yakkers there. We didn't actually get any of them. We actually didn't catch any, to tell the honest truth, on the, on the baited jigs. But... To identify that bait is so crucial because you can work out what they're... I, I, how many times do we say, no, you're not going to catch this, it's red bait. It's not going to catch this, it's red bait. You can just tell the difference. Yeah. So that's a really good approach is trying to learn the bait and everything and everything that comes to it. So that that's what... that's what re, using Utilizing your sounder and where we've got them at these days, it's bloody incredible because you can work out what size a school fish... Uh, what school fish are, you know them on a sounder, you know when they're barrels, and if you can work the bait out... It makes it a lot easier to approach the fish when you, for instance, if a bait ball comes up. A hundred percent, mate. Yeah, that's what I found. So you were reading that sounder, and you'd basically say to us, "Oh, nah, they're not yakkers. They're not yakkers." And then the one time I reckon, did we get yakkers once on the jig? I think you said, "No, no, no. This is the time, boys." And we ended up getting them. So just that, just that knowledge of being able to actually read your sounder properly, I think, was important. And the other thing as well is. You obviously travel at a speed where you can sound barrels too. Like that was something you were talking me through as well. Yeah, I'll, geez, we could be here all day with some of the stuff. But I'll just, just quickly, we'll go on it. Basically, I just slow my speed right up to everyone else. I pull the lures in, and the different bird life there, albatross, and they're on bait ball. So well, I've spoken about it before, but it's just you, it's just identifying the day. So I don't like lures on those days. There wasn't one fish caught on a lure during the whole day that we know of or anyone knows of that I've spoken to. Baits were the key, and you can troll lures around all day. You might get lucky with a blind hookup, but just by backing it off, your sounder picture increases times 100, and I'm running good technology, and you can obviously see the bait, uh, sorry, see the fish much clearer, but not only that, it's you can stop on the fish at the same time. So you can actually, you're not going 12 kilometers an hour where you've got to go, oh, crap, knock it out of gear, reverse. We just, we're only going three to five Ks. We back it off. And use control baiting, and then the fish will be in that vicinity that where we've stopped. We haven't moved 100 metres past it, if that makes sense. But, Ned, I'm going to have to let you go because we could talk barrel fishing all the time, mate. Thank you for fishing with us during the week. And, of course, thank you for joining me for Red's Review this week. And, of course, that is thanks to TJM. Thanks, Ned McHenry from the Adelaide Crows. Thank you, Red. Thanks for having me, mate. It was a great day. That was for TJM. 
Take the Lead with TJM. Quality four-wheel drive equipment. You're listening to Real Adventures. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's been a cracking show. I don't want to, I don't want to wobble our... Uh... Well, that sounds a bit odd, doesn't it? <laughs> I don't want to I'm currently talk. sitting on a bed next to you as well. Gee whiz, this is uh, I don't, I don't, good morning, Patrick. I don't want to talk us up too much, but I feel like it's been a, uh, a, so, a solid show. Red's tip for this week, what do you have for us? I had it in front of me here when fishing land-based in winter. Get your wind behind you. So many people I'm seeing on piers getting flogged. You yep. will catch fish in rougher days, but it's just too cold. If you're taking the kids down, get the wind in front of you. But that's not my tip. My tip is, going back to what I said earlier about travelling... When you're traveling to a place like Port Mac or on those dusk areas, the oh, best you went down there during the week. Yep, yep. The best thing to do when traveling is, and the trucks will help you out. Follow a truck. Sounds bad. Like sitting behind it. Sit behind a truck. They're that's, going to go faster than you. That's I like what you. the EV drivers do to sit in there and get the windbreak. Well, we're, we're pretty much it getting, increase their range. We're getting the kangaroo break. That's what it is. So you follow behind a truck, and they will overtake you. They will literally put their indicator on to see if you want to come around. They are so good because yeah, they they're, yep, they ain't that. stopping when they hit a truck when they hit a route. So don't try and over be the hero if they're going ninety five in the hundred zone, and you want to go. You're not going to go any faster with just, a goddamn boat, are you? Someone, someone <laughs> asked that. Like but uh, that. it's uh, it's I just sit behind the trucks because if you sit behind the trucks, you're going to nearly get a clean slate. Yeah, yeah, at least he's going to push some things out of the way for you. And it might, it might um, reduce your fuel consumption in your, in your RAM from 29 litres to like 20. I'll take maybe 28.8. I'll take anything I can get. For those unaware, Aaron uh, last week had a bit of a mishap post mm. our Real Adventure show. Your brand new RAM, you, you scratched it. Yeah, I was sitting in the car on the phone to a mate and I just and I backed into a park at the Cats where we record and... They had these, you know, the concrete pillars that like stopped the block traffic. Yes, you thought you and could were, drive over it. Well, not over it. I thought I could tail whip it a bit. So it was <laughs> oh, uh, no. no, I couldn't see it because it's below my window. And I just went to. And I re- do you know how hard it is to get a park at the cats at the minute? It's a joke. And I went to drive out. Construction's hot, mate. I literally yeah, construction construction site. I literally just turned left to drive out. I was reversing to the park, and all I hear is. Oh. Did heart to sink? I haven't really got a heart to sink, but it, it, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't feel good. I got out of the car and I could still because I still didn't know what I hit because I couldn't see it. I got out and I looked at it and I'm just going, "Lucky my insurance is good." So anyway, insurance is fixing it. Thank God. Yes. I hope they are. And I've uh, taken out my door and my. Luckily, I have a step on the side of the ram that was actually quite good quality and it protected my whole base of my car. From so, being too smacked. Yeah, it's actually the whole hull. The whole hull's fine. We'll call it the hull. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm still really sad. The gaff this week, Redmond, uh, heading overseas to uh, Iowa uh, after a Rivian driver. So Rivian is, of course, uh, an electric startup, which I think it started up last year. And when it first opened for investing, its IPO was one of the largest since Facebook, I think. But I'm going to show you an image which pretty much describe it for our uh, listenership. It looks like someone's just gently nudged the back of well, this. Well, I can't rivet. even see it. Where is it? It's right. So just, oh, on, just on, the, on the yeah, tail. There's a minimal to, there's a, like a, you'd nearly push it out. Correct. So with these EVs and not having necessarily dealerships and all those sorts of things, they, they send you to specific places mm-hmm. to have these vehicles fixed. 
and he has received a whopping $42,000 US, <laughs> that's sixty two grand Australian, repair bill for what's believed to be, and it certainly looks like it from our untrained mechanical eyes, uh, minor collision. It's not even minor. It literally looks like he's lent on the, the car with like a, it's ridiculous, like a child isn't it? or someone's lent on the car. It, it would be the size of a cricket ball. If that. 62K Australian. Yeah. Something What's the car worth? Four billion. <laughs> something doesn't add up there. Well, they're well, they're electric, so they're expensive. Didn't you say Tesla this year, this month or year got the ranked top three car of the year? Or something? Oh, that's some good car news. I forgot to bring that in. It's not good car news. I Finish, seen one broken down on the side of the road. It was finishing funny. off the show. Tesla Model Y <laughs> uh, this year has been the third highest selling vehicle in the world. What's that, this world coming to, Patrick? And that's how we'll finish off the show. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll see you next week. This has been Real Adventures.